0: I need to be baptized. But you come to me asking for me to baptize you, John says incredulously to Jesus when Jesus comes and stands on the shore of the Jordan and appeals to him for baptism. I'm the broken one, the sinner the one in need of cleansing, and yet you come to me, you, the one of whom I've been preaching and proclaiming and telling the people of your coming to make straight the path of the Lord. I need to be baptized, and yet you come to me? Jesus responds cryptically, it is the right way, so let it be so. This is the way that righteousness will be fulfilled. And when Jesus rises from the water, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and alights on him. And there's a voice from heaven that says, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. If we could condense John's question what is this for? That's what it would mean. If we could take John's incredulity, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me, to two words, I believe it would be, what for? Jesus' baptism, what for? Because John has been assuming this whole time that his own baptism his own baptismal practice has been about repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And he has been teaching people, I baptize with water. And when the people come, the scripture says, they came confessing their sins. So baptism up to that time had been about repentance and the forgiveness of sins. But John has also been preaching, prepare the way of the Lord. So why baptism? For the one without sin is a good question. If baptism is about repentance and forgiveness of sins, why should we baptize the one who is without sin? Jesus' answer, let it be so, for in this way we fulfill all righteousness, is revelatory. We might call it an epiphany. Jesus teaches us that there's a bit more to baptism than repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Now to be sure, baptism is about repentance and the forgiveness of sins. This torrent in which we are submerged redirects us, it reorients us, it does cleanse us. It is as 1 Peter 3 says, it's not merely a removal of dirt from the body, but it is an appeal to God for a a clear conscience. Jeremiah's prophecy is fulfilled in these baptismal waters. See, our sins are covered up. God will remember them no more. And when we are submerged into the depths of this sea, And the waters close over our face. There in the darkness, in the face, underneath the face of the deep, God does inscribe on our hearts a new covenant. Yes, baptism is for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. But it is not only about that. It is that. But it is not only about that. For if it were only about repentance and the forgiveness of sins, wouldn't baptism be in a way almost like an elevation, a privileging of our sins, a making of our sins more than they really are? But John's baptism points us to even more good news. I mean, Jesus' baptism. Jesus' baptism is even more interesting than our sins. I'll say that one again. Jesus' baptism is even more interesting than our sins. Yes, baptism is about repentance and the forgiveness of sins. But it is not only about that. Remember, when the Spirit descends on Jesus in this moment, it not only descends on him like a dove, the text says it alights on him. It kindles something in him. It ignites the ministry for which he has been patiently waiting and preparing. Something happens. John the Baptist's baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins is given a new layer in Jesus' baptism when the Holy Spirit and fire about which John has been predicting and prophesying happens. In this moment, the complete revelation of all that baptism means and all it is for, for Jesus and for us, comes to fruition and is revealed before our very eyes. But even before John the Baptist prophesied and practiced baptism, Isaiah saw before John did what was to come. He gives, in our text for today, he gives Israel a convincing vision of one who would be called anointed, a servant, a suffering servant, a light to the nations, one who would reveal God's dream for the whole world, and one who would not be crushed until he had fulfilled his mission to open the eyes of the blind and to deliver those from imprisonment in the dungeon. Now it may be, and we're not sure, and it's not really clear, it may be that Isaiah had in mind one person. Someone who would make mud with his spittle and paste it over the eyes of a blind man and say, be opened, and then he would be able to see. Or one who would come and free prisoners, and even one whose name was Lazarus, prisoned by death to come out of his, his tomb and walk. It may be that Isaiah foresaw This one who would disobey rulers and authorities in order to be obedient to God. Then again, it might be that Isaiah had in mind a whole community, a whole nation, Israel. A nation that would be a light to the nation simply by remembering that they had been enslaved and therefore they should not enslave others. A nation that would remember its indebtedness to a God who liberates and therefore would not frame their economy around usury and debtors' prisons. A whole nation that by their fellowship would bear witness and shine like a torch in the world, illuminating God's redeeming love for all people. Then again, it may be that Isaiah had in mind us. Us. Maybe he saw the potential that one day all the people in the world would bear witness to the Holy Spirit's power in their life. The way that it descended on them like a dove in their baptismal moment and alighted upon them, kindled them, ignited them, and made of them phosphorescent lights flaring in the darkness wherever they may be found. I remember a friend of mine growing up, a little bit younger than me, but who was always around. He was sort of like the Huckleberry Finn of my neighborhood. Too smart for his own good, always getting in trouble, often lighting things on fire. <laughs> I remember Joe would, uh, would go on youth retreats and light things on fire. Um, get any ideas. Uh, I remember one particular night we were asleep and we were awakened by these little explosions out in the woods. Somehow Joe had figured out how to time some little devices to blow up. Uh, Don't ask me, I don't know, but the youth minister woke up too and so did the chaperones and I remember some of the things they said as they (laughs) walked toward our cabins and I remember once playing out in my friend Patrick's yard and his dad was mowing the grass. And we looked up and there down Summit Road came a grocery cart full of flaming newspaper. (laughs) Rolled down the street and across Cypress Drive and into a creek bed where it set alight. the, The grassy shores of the creek. And my friend's dad ran inside to get a fire extinguisher. The point of my message today is how each one of us could be more like Joe. (laughs) Really, the point of my sermon today is to wonder how baptism alights us, ignites us, kindles in us the fire of God's love such that we do glow like balls of phosphorus in the air in the darkness, sparks from our faith light up others around us and start new fires and the fire spreads and the world glows with the love of God. Baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire means we are anointed to an alighted life. We're submerged in a combustion chamber and we come out inflammable and ready to be set fire to a commencing of a conflagration of ministry? Each one of us, not just the ordained. How much more are each one of you who have not been ordained, submerged in combustible fluid? And God waits to light you on fire like a little torch in the world. Perhaps there should be more questions around Asheville and beyond about why there are so many sparks flying in this sanctuary or in that classroom or in this courtroom or in this this hospital or in that office or at this intersection or in this living room or around this table. Where do all these sparks come from? Where is this fire of which you speak? Where does it originate? It originates in the baptismal pool. Where we are submerged in the face of the waters covers our face. And down there in the depths, we are saturated with lighter fluid. Not that you should be kindled, but that you already are. Look at your hands and your feet, how they glow. Look around this congregation, how it does glow with the fire of God's presence and kindling. God ready to send us out to set fire to the earth. This is Jesus' prayer, is it not? I came to set fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Well, that's us. The baptized kindling of God. We're called to be this sacred conflagration. God promises we will be a light to the nations. Indeed, baptism is about repentance and the forgiveness of sins. But it is not only about that.